Hello, and welcome back to Sinister Sisters. Hello. My name is Kat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Shrimp. Shrimp. Hey. Shrimp! Uh, <laughs> we are your hosts, of course, on Yay. this fine soapbox Sunday. Well, I bloody hope you are, because what else are we doing here if we're not? <laughs> Just vibing. Just talking and stuff. <laughs> Fun fact about me and Kat, we never shut up. <laughs> this is true. Especially when um, we're hanging out. I mean, this is an aside. I don't need to talk about this. Yeah, because you were just complaining about how we needed to hurry up. So. I'm tired and want to go to bed. It's 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if you like this clusterfuck of a podcast mm-hmm. you may follow us on instagram at sinister sisters dot podcast yay on tiktok at sinister sisters podcast yay on youtube at sinister sisters podcast yay uh, you can email us at sinister sisters pod at gmail.com yay and we also have case request forms in the ver- various descriptions and bios of our platforms so. yay that's our plug in it so a few weeks ago now we talked about um the royal family and we did a a very brief dive into the history of the royal family as we know it in modern times um and i had very briefly talked about edward the eighth and his abdication so today we're going to deep dive into why and how and where Edward VIII abdicated. Skitty. So I'm going to start with the official story of Edward and why he abdicated. Um, And we did talk about this in that previous episode, so we'll go through it quickly, so we're not repeating ourselves too much, but kind of explain what happened. And um, then we'll touch on some of the conspiracies as to maybe what the real reason was that he was Ooh. forced to resign from his role as king. Ooh, tea. So, Edward. Um, sorry, I'm going to interrupt and suggest yeah. that if you haven't listened to that previous episode, now would be a really good time to listen to it. Just because it has back. more of a background. Yeah, and then come back. Yeah, more of a background on the royal family kind of as a whole in the last hundred-ish years. But yeah, this is, um, this is the story of Edward. Edward VIII ascended the throne upon his father's death in January of 1936. As we talked about last time, he always had shown some disdain for royal protocol and tradition. But at the time of his ascension, he was actually seen by the British public as a bit of a like modernizing force. He himself had the desire to modernize the monarchy and to make it more accessible to the public. He also seemed to genuinely sympathize with the plights of ordinary people during the 1920s and 1930s. When Edward visited depressed mining villages in Wales, his comment that, quote, something must be done, led to concerns among elected politicians that he would interfere in political matters, which is something that was traditionally avoided by constitutional monarchs. These comments, however, made him very popular among Welsh people. Um, and, you know, kind of throughout the 20s and 30s, he also m- met with a lot of um, 
ill, injured people, veterans, people in poverty, and um, the public really liked him. Edward was very much distrusted. Distrusted. Sounds weird. It's a word. It is a word. Edward was very much distrusted by the establishment. So essentially all the establishment is, is um, if you think of kind of upper crust people, uh, you know, high level decision makers, people who have social and political sway. So these like upper folks didn't like him much. He actually really upset a lot of the aristocracy by treating their traditions and ceremonies with disdain. And many of them were offended by his abandonment of accepted social norms. Hmm. Yeah. He's for the people he is. A little um, Eddie boy. In theory. Yes. In theory. <laughs> I also learned in my research this time around that um, he was called David amongst family. So well, That was his real name, wasn't it? Yeah. There you go. So Edward met Wallace Simpson in January of 1931. And it's generally accepted that they became lovers in 1934. Wallace would eventually go on to be his wife, and she was an American socialite. Edward adamantly insisted to his father that he was not physically intimate with Simpson, and that it was inappropriate to describe her as his mistress. Edward's relationship with Wallace further weakened his poor relationship with his parents. As we discussed in our previous episode, um, George V, so Edward's father, really favoured Edward's younger brother and was open about his belief that Edward would uh, not be a good king. He actually told one court functionary that should Edward become king, he would, quote, wreck the monarchy and the empire. Jeez. Yeah. So not a good relationship. And this relationship that he had with Wallace Simpson made it worse. Nice. At the time of Edward's ascension, Wallace was seeking divorce from her second husband, who was a wealthy shipping company head person. Once Edward took the role, took on the role of king, Wallace regularly attended palace functions, and her husband was suspiciously left off the um, guest list. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's so. Fine. She's still she's still married to him at this point, officially and, and publicly. No. Oh, what? The, her husband, not Edward. But Edward's so she's king a, now. Edward is king, and she's attending yep. these royal palace functions she's seen often with him but she's still married to her husband scandal in the palace what on earth is happening in the house of commons (laughs) and also this is the 1930s so like i feel like friendships between men and women were much more like rare yeah as they uh, this is how they are today so Men and women can't be friends. They'll only want to dick each other. (laughs) Apparently. So in the summer of 1936, Edward decided against the traditional prolonged stay at Balmoral Castle, which is typical of the monarchy, in favor of a holiday with Simpson in the eastern Mediterranean. Again, she's still married at this point. Their holiday was widely covered in both American and European press, but it was not covered at all in the British press 
who maintained a self-imposed silence. By I... October, um, I think because they didn't want to damage his reputation among British people. They were sort of like protecting him a little bit. Ooh. Um, That's not but of, Well, people knew. Briti the British people knew as well because it's not like Europe's that far, you know? Yeah, just across the just, so, just across the channel, just isn't across it? Across the channel, yeah. 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 Um, so by October of 1936, it was rumoured in high society and also abroad that Edward intended to marry Wallace as soon as she was free to do so. And by the end of October of 1936, this constitutional crisis came to a head when she filed for divorce and the American press announced that marriage between her and the king was imminent. The king invited Prime Minister St Stanley Baldwin to Buckingham Palace on November 16th and informed him that he intended to marry Wallace. Baldwin replied that such a marriage would not be acceptable to the people, stating, quote, the queen becomes the queen of the country. Therefore, in the choice of a queen, the voice of the people must be heard. In December of 1936, Edward proposed to Wallace, which led to this constitutional crisis. Official Good opposition. Good start to a marriage. Good start to a marriage. Good start to um, a monarch reign also. Yeah, a whole constitutional crisis. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so here... Only it took the throne, uh, like, less than a year earlier. Like, a, 11 months earlier, 10 months earlier at this point. Our wedding present from my mother-in-law was a constitutional crisis. <laughs> you got a teapot? How boring. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So, the uh, official opposition to Edward and Wallace's marriage came from quite a variety of direction so there were religious legal political and moral um, oppositions to their wedding so wallace was perceived by many to be pursuing edward only for his money and for his position and not for love there were lots of rumors and innuendos that circled in society about her the king's mother queen mary was told at one point that wallace might have held some sort of sexual control over edward as she had released him from an undefined sexual dysfunction through practices she had learnt in a Chinese brothel. <laughs> she cured him of his erectile dysfunction? I guess so. <laughs> imagine, like, who... Imagine telling that to somebody about their son. Yeah, right? Like, boundaries, please. <laughs> yeah, literally. Let alone yeah. Mary, who's, like, this very proper... Right. woman of like long royal descent anyway I, a literal just, queen just yeah you hear wallace was like banging your son and he she fixed him <laughs> she was doing cartwheels on his dick and it made him so he could he could make babies again <laughs> yeah and she learned that at chinese brothel not the, not the chinese brothel Anyway, I thought that was funny. It made me. You giggle. have to leave that in. Okay. So as the as a British monarch, edit, edit, edit Stark. So as the British monarch, Edward was also the head of the Church of England, 
which at this time didn't allow divorced people to remarry in the church if their ex-spouses were still alive. I think that at this point it's, you know, important to remember the time frame that we're looking at and, you know, yeah. religion at that time was much more ingrained in society than it is today and things have changed in recent years. Yes. Um, so the monarch was required by law to be in communion with the Church of England. In 1935, just one year earlier uh, from this you know, constitutional crisis, the Church of England had reaffirmed their um, position, saying that, quote, in no circumstances can Christian men or women remarry during the lifetime of a husband or a wife. Therefore, Edward, trying to marry a divorcee who would soon have two living ex-husbands, would directly conflict with the church teachings and Edward's role as the head of the church. Mm. Wallace's first divorce, which happened in the United States, came on the grounds of being emotionally incompatible, which was not recognized by the Church of England as a legitimate reason for divorce. Mm. And if challenged in English courts, it might not have actually been recognized under English law. Oh. At that time, both the church of England and English law considered adultery to be the only grounds for divorce. Mm. So under this argument, her second marriage that she was currently seeking a divorce from, as well as her, you know, potential future marriage to Edward would have been considered bigamous and considered invalid. Oh, geez. Yeah. So shortly after Edward and Wallace were married in 1937, the matrimonial causes act was passed which actually allowed for numerous other divorce justifications at the legal level. So seems slightly suspicious that it came just shortly after they did legally get married. And now the Church of England, you know, in recent, in the 21st century, allows for remarrying, but leaves a decision on if it's an acceptable remarriage to the clergy member who's performing the ceremony. The guidelines essentially are to ensure that the marriage itself or the remarriage, the second marriage or whatever, would not be causing any harm to any of the parties involved. So um, they have some questions to consider, like, is there still ongoing court proceedings? Did this relationship cause the end of the previous marriage? That sort of thing. And so mm. um, just to ensure that it's holy, I suppose. And then, of course, under civil law, remarriage is allowed and you can do it as many times as you'd like, as far as I'm aware. So um, that piece of it has definitely changed in recent years. Another reason that was given officially as to why Edward and Wallace's marriage was so strongly opposed was due to the strained relationships between the UK and the USA at that time. The majority of British people were reluctant to accept an American as queen consort, and some members of the British upper class looked down on Americans with disdain and considered them to be socially inferior. This is a personal opinion here. Um, but I, I, to me, it seems that a lot of these negative perceptions come sort of as a result of like new world versus old world. And also the dastardly snub of America daring to declare independence. In, yeah. The 1700s or whatever. <laughs> dumped our tea um, didn't they yeah high society Rude. has a long long memory and i think that that's probably <laughs> where it comes from and also obviously like even today the um, american way of doing things is often 
less in line with that sort of um, upper class, very proper, prim sort of way of doing things of the British, you know, the establishment. So There's that's just my also, opinion. So um, Americans, relatively new colony at the time, not not no longer a colony. I mean, relatively new, so new money compared to old money. Also true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which is still a battle. Yeah. Imagine having old money. Ugh. I just imagine have having money. money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd take any fucking money. New money, yeah. old money, monopoly money. Give it to me, please. <laughs> as long please. as I can use it, to, use it to buy things with, I'm fine. Yes, yes please. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, American, the American people, and also the American press were actually very in favor of this marriage between um, Wallace and Edward. Sort of, of um, it seems like like a prince charming type of story, like oh, very yes, romanticized of version of the monarchy. Um, mm-hmm. So. That also sort of checks out, I feel like, in terms of the American belief of what being royal actually means. Which is nice. Very um, idealized version. Romanticized. (laughs) Yes, yes. So despite all of these oppositions to the marriage, Edward declared that he loved Wallace and intended to marry her as soon as her second divorce was finalized. And then as we know, as I've sort of alluded to already, and we talked about in that previous episode... This decision led to Edward's abdication of the throne in mid-December of 1936. In his memoirs, he wrote that he made this decision reluctantly, but with some sense of relief. His is the only voluntary abdication by a monarch in British history. Wild. Yeah. So this decision typically kind of in the official storyline is portrayed as a man trapped between, you know, his duty to the crown and then his love before eventually choosing love. However, are there other reasons behind his decision? Was he forced out of his position as a result from other forces? So let's, let's break down the conspiracies here. Yeah. Um, so, in my research, it seemed that a majority of the speculation as to why Edward may have been forced out came from the idea that his alliances didn't really lie in the right places, didn't lie with the the, the crown and, and the British people. Mm. Um, so prior to becoming king, when Edward was the Prince of Wales, he spent a, a, quite a bit of time in America, and he seemed to feel most at home there rather than in the UK. I'm liking the Americans more than ever, he wrote excitedly after visiting American troops in January of 1919. I'm just longing to go to the States, but we must be closely allied with the USA, closer than we are now, and it must be lasting, and they are very keen about this. Edward was weary of the constraints of the old world and was, quote, yearning to breathe breathe free. He was seduced by American culture, language, music, dancing, and consumerism. I thought this tidbit was cute, a little bit of a Canadian connection. On his journey through Western Canada, um, kind of around the same time as he was Prince of Wales, he was so impressed by the grandeur of the prairies that he, on impulse, bought a cattle ranch in Alberta. Cute! Yeah. Does he still have it? Well, Well, I guess he wouldn't still have it now, but like... Yeah, he kept What's it. The tea? 
Yeah. What what happened to it, Nat? What happened to it? I don't know. Do you want me to look it up? No. Okay. It'll just remain a secret. (laughs) Edward wrote in his memoirs, quote, America meant to me a country where nothing is impossible. By contrast, England was a place where many things were impossible to him, including the wish to marry the woman that he loved. His encounters with America. Yeah. Yeah. His encounters with America were largely positive and they were formative experiences in his life that shaped his destiny. As one historian claimed, long before he fell in love with Wallace, Edward had fallen in love with America. If not for America, King Edward VIII would have never abdicated. So, interesting Hmm. position. I do believe that. I think that was an American who said that. Take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) A pinch of salt, yes. And then I would say that the main conspiracy surrounding Edward's abdication being a forced thing is that he was a Nazi sympathizer. Mm, And he actually believed in fascism and what Hitler was sharing um, as a great vision for the world. Wallace was also quite strongly tied to Nazi Germany. So Edward himself was pretty loosey-goosey with discretion, especially of private confidential documents that were provided to him as a result of his royal lineage. Top secret files were often left on display for any visitor to Edward's home. And among those socializing with the king, and also after he abdicated, were Italian and German diplomats. He also shared highly sensitive documents with Wallace and discussed their contents with her. At the time, interception by intelligence services revealed that both the French and Swiss embassies in London were reporting to their governments that Wallace had a really strong influence over the king. And the foreign secretary at the time believed that she was in the pocket of the German ambassador. Some people actually believe that she was an agent for Nazi Germany. I've seen pictures of um, the two of them meeting Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second here. And we'll include some of those photos in the um, case file and in the video. But sorry, what were you going to say? I'm pretty sure she bound to him, didn't she? Yep. She did. Ooh, I'm foreshadowing. (laughs) You are. So, um, at the time when Edward was still king, the Foreign Office obtained leaked dispatches from the German Reich ambassador to the United Kingdom, which revealed his strong view that the opposition to Edward and Wallace's marriage was motivated by the wish to defeat those Germanophile forces which had been working through Mrs. Simpson. So, essentially, that she, the opposition was largely due to the fact that she had German ties. I think it's important to note here that um, is some of this, you know, anti-German sentiment does seem a teensy bit hypocritical. As we talked about in the last episode, George V was photographed with um, his cousins, Tsar Nicholas of Russia, and also the uh, German king at the time. Kaiser Wilhelm. Kaiser Wilhelm, thank you. And they look like triplets. <laughs> they do. They really do. 
like the the British royal family is German, essentially. Yes, but I think we should but. recognize the fact that just because you have German ties doesn't mean that you agree with being a Nazi. <laughs> true, very true. Yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, but that's I yes. yeah just well most people in the royal family had some German connections so yeah because just because they had German friends didn't really mean much of anything yeah this is after the Kaiser too isn't it yeah Hitler took over after the Kaiser yes he was assassinated wasn't he maybe maybe I'm not sure I don't know too much about German history actually the Tsar was assassinated but that the Tsar was assassinated yeah yeah okay um so in october of 1937 edward and wallace visited germany against the advice of the british government and met with hitler at his at his ober salzburg retreat this visit was highly publicized in the german media during the visit the duke gave full nazi salutes and was photographed extensively with hitler after this visit, Edward wrote a thank you letter to Hitler, initially written in German. The translation reads, To the Fuhrer and Chancellor, the Duchess of Windsor and I would like to thank you sincerely. Our trip through Germany has made a great impression on us. Many thanks to you for the wonderful time we had with you at Ober Salzburg. Again, a lot of this was never covered in the press in the UK. The BBC felt that the Nazis were trying to use Edward and Wallace to share their propaganda with the British public. Mm. And so um, this information was basically at that time kept under lock and key and was labeled at the BBC as not to be broadcast. Mm. So Fun. about about two years later, the um, Second World War broke out in September of 1939. Initially, Edward was assigned as... A British military mission in France as a general, I believe. Um, he had served during the First World War as well. In February of 1940, the German ambassador in The Hague in Netherlands claimed that Edward had leaked Allied war plans for the defense of Belgium. Jeez. When, yeah. When Germany invaded the north of France in May of 1940, Edward and Wallace fled to Lisbon in Portugal. It was reported, or has been reported since, that Hitler arranged for their safe passage from their home in France into Portugal. And they were hosted by an individual called Ricardo Espirito Santo. British intelligence reports claimed that Espirito Santo dealt in stolen goods and that he was, quote, in effect, acted as a banker to the Nazis. Jeez. Yeah. And they've got some Nazi ties, these two. Yep. Um, Edward also reportedly made a variety of comments like, so this is all speculation, but apparently made these comments to um, like his staff members and things like that. So, quote, after the war is over and Hitler will crush the Americans, we'll take over. They, as in the British, don't want me as their king, 
but I'll be back as their leader. He's also was reported as saying it would be a tragic thing for the world if Hitler was overthrown. I have a really important question. Did people know what Hitler was doing? Like, did they know that he was killing so many Jewish people and disabled people and things like that? I don't think people necessarily knew the, um, like, how extensive it was. Hmm. I think that they knew that there was some, like, you know, racist, ableist, ististist type atrocities happening in Germany, but they didn't quite know the extent of them. And hmm. I think, as a general rule, the German public didn't know what was going on. Okay. Yeah. The so initial, like, like, drive to start the Second World War was because Hitler annexed Poland. Yeah, but so... The... Okay, sorry. I lagged. The Allies won the war, right? Yeah. So when they were liberating, like, Auschwitz and stuff, is that the first mm. time they found out what was happening? Like, actually what was going on? Or was there, like, did they know? I think they knew it was happening, but they didn't know how bad it was. Huh. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think. Because I know, I think a lot of American soldiers liberated like those the really bad concentration camps and i think they were like absolutely horrified by what they found so i don't know if maybe um more upper ranking military members would have known more effectively but soldiers on the ground didn't necessarily know much or anything at all so did edward and wallace know i don't know because if you like, if you didn't know what Hitler was doing with the final solution, then he was, like, just a leader, you know? Yeah. But he, like, the fact that he invaded other sovereign nations. Yeah, that's Was true. well publicized. That was, like, everybody knew about that. Um, yeah. And also, obviously, he was responsible for the death of thousands of hundreds of thousands of british people in the blitz just in general right soldiers civilians yeah in the blitz yeah yeah so i think like maybe didn't know the like holocaust piece of it but still he like the german side the the axis side of the war was doing horrible things to edward's own people Hmm. Okay. And even if he considered himself to be more closely aligned with America, you know, the war was going on there too, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay, that makes sense. Um, And so a lot of these, like, comments that he was making, these kind of pro-Hitler, anti-British comments, uh, really reinforced the belief that those Nazi sympathies were what caused the abdication initially. Um. Because I think we mentioned somewhere else that um, monarchs are supposed to be politically neutral. And so you can't Mm -hmm. be this heavily invested in any politics, let alone politics that are so negative, essentially. Yeah. Can you imagine if he didn't abdicate and then he was um, king when Hitler was Hitlering? 
It would have been bad. Shit would have been so different. Yeah. Well, he was king briefly while Hitler was Hitlering. But not at, like, the height of Hitler doing his Hitlering. No. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, towards the end of the Second World War, Allies found a trove of German files buried in the forests in Germany. This probably would have been when they were liberating things. This included approximately 60 documents that appeared to contain correspondence between agents working around Edward and with Nazi Germany. The collection is now known as the Marburg Files. Included in the Marburg Files was a top-secret cable from the German ambassador in Lisbon to Berlin that read, "Um, Edward is convinced that if he had remained on the throne, war would have been avoided. And he characterizes himself as a firm supporter of a peaceful agreement with Germany. The Duke definitely believes that continued severe bombing would make England ready for peace. And so... So he was basically suggesting that they did just keep bombing England. I think... I didn't actually write this down, but um, I think that this uh, cable came before the Blitz started. So... Thousands of people died in the Blitz. And, like, entire, um, like, cities were flattened. Coventry? Yeah. Including, um, well, I shouldn't say it this way. Edward's own brother was almost killed in the Blitz. Remember we talked about oh, that last time, George too? Six, yeah, because they stayed, yeah. didn't they? They stayed, yeah. So... Um, so the the British government, the Crown, tried to keep these um, documents under wraps for a, a while because of what a negative light they, they put on. Um, but they were eventually published in 1957 by the Americans. <laughs> um, at that time, Queen Elizabeth was on the throne. Um, and so her office released a statement that read... The Duke was subjected to heavy pressure from many quarters to stay in Europe, where the Germans hoped he could exert influence against the policy of His Majesty's government. His Royal Highness never wavered in his loyalty to the British cause. The German records are necessarily a much-tainted source. The only firm evidence they provide us is of what the Germans were trying to do in the matter, and of how completely they failed to do it. True. So that's a very diplomatic statement. Yeah. Very good, Queenie. Very good. Well, we love her. We love her so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The papers and correspondence that were discovered um, buried in the forest (laughs) um, allegedly actually further detail a plot by the Nazis, which was titled Operation Willy and was to be orchestrated in 1940 to persuade Edward to officially join sides with the Nazis and move him to Germany in a bid to bring the UK to peace peace negotiations. It proposed convincing Edward of a fictitious plot by King George VI and Prime Minister Winston Churchill to have him assassinated upon his arrival in the Bahamas. So in 1940, he was um, appointed as governor to the Bahamas and moved there, moved out of Europe. 
and conspiring with him to stage a kidnapping in the hopes of blackmailing the monarchy and the UK into surrender. These papers also allegedly reveal a plan to reinstate Edward as king and recognize his wife as queen in exchange for Nazi forces being given free movement across Europe. Oh my. Yeah. Documents considered the most damning for the British royal family were among his final communications with the Nazis before his departure to the Bahamas, in which it was alleged that the Duke encouraged relentless bombing attacks on the United Kingdom in a bid to force the British government to begin peace negotiations. There is not believed to be any form of evidence that the Duke accepted any of the terms offered by the Nazis in a bid to cooperate with Operation Willie, with historians stating that he actually was more impressed by the encouragement he had to become governor of the Bahamas. But there are some documents that allege to confirm he sympathized with Nazi ideologies. Many historians have suggested that Hitler was prepared to reinstate Edward as king in hope that he could establish a fascist Britain and allegedly Edward agreed to do so after reaching Spain. Jeez. Yeah. The Soviet intelligence services were convinced of the Duke of Windsor's treachery when the war broke out. It's probable that they had an informer in his staff, Edward's staff. And in 1940, they reported that he was conducting negotiations with Hitler in order to form a new English government and conclude a peace with Germany contingent on a military alliance against the USSR. It was also reported around this time that Edward was an anti-Semite and reportedly blamed, quote, the Jews, the Reds, and the Foreign Office for the war. Gross, what the fuck? The Royal Archives have always ensured that letters from German relatives of the Royal Family in the run-up to World War II have remained closed. So you actually cannot view any of this information from the Royal Archives. A lot of this information comes from other archives, you know, Germany, Spain, the USSR, mm. Russia. So Suspicious. And, and naturally, that leads to conspiracy theories, because what are they hiding? Yeah. So, all of this Nazi sympathy bit is, um, of course, alleged, um, but there does seem to be some some proof that at least they were rubbing shoulders with the Nazi party. So, what do you think? I think, like, if they were sympathizers or not. Just, what do you think in general? I don't know. I think that um, Edward was, from what I've read and what I've seen, Edward was, you know, and from what you said, um, his dad didn't like him and his dad yeah. didn't want him to be king. And I think he married this lady, whatever, but I think he, I wouldn't be surprised because Hitler was a very charismatic person. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Hitler saw in Edward this need to be approved of by someone else. Yeah. And use that 
to manipulate him. Yeah. I have also would not be surprised if he was, if da- David, um, if Edward was a Nazi. I don't, I don't think that that would have, would have been like that surprising. Shocking. I think yeah. she was like from pictures that I've seen. But again, I don't know. Yeah. It's probably impossible. Nobody will ever know for sure. Um, yeah. None of the parties really involved are alive anymore. So. No. It was sad that I think, I think it was sad that he wasn't allowed to marry who he loved. It was like either yeah. that or his job. I think that's sad. Yeah. But maybe that, that's kind if of... all if all this Nazi stuff is true, then maybe that was like a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Or it was just a good scapegoat. Yeah. Right, because since yeah. then we've seen um people like people really opposed Charles and Camilla getting married. Mm-hmm. And they were eventually allowed to get married. But they weren't married until Diana had died. Yes. Which was the, the rule that yeah. um, Wallace so didn't pe- fit. People opposed their marriage prior to Charles yeah. ever marrying Diana. Yeah. But people. we've kind of seen things like modernize a bit and yeah, like um, Meghan Markle had been divorced yeah. and she married in. Yeah. And um, Diana and Charles, they were divorced and... All four of the Queen's children yeah, were divorced. Yeah, <laughs> divorced, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So. Yeah, things have changed a bit. Oh, maybe that's it's... a lie, actually. I think... Oh, um, I don't think Edward was. Edward is still married to... Sophie. Yes. Yes. But Andrew and um, and um, Sarah Ferguson, yeah, they got divorced. Um, it's weird that um, the Church of England was literally invented by um, Henry VIII <laughs> hmm. to divorce his wives, or was it to remarry? Because his was... wives died. Um, a bit of both. So well, I guess he killed them, didn't he? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, officially, um, so. He annulled two marriages and then remarried while those women were still alive. But because they were annulled, it's not a divorce. So it didn't count. So he was allowed to get remarried. We love a loophole. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be an interesting story to cover too, the the Tudors. Friends, let us know what you think. Um, Yeah. Yeah, do you think that um, the abdication was for love? Or do you think it was not really an abdication and more of a get the heck out? You Nazi. Yeah. 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 Yeah, check out the case file. There's lots of um, interesting photos in there. Mm. And um, let us know if there's any cases that you'd like us to cover. Yeah, other than that... Thank you so much for listening, coming along on this journey with us. Yeah. uh, We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye.